Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In the summer of 1968, television news changed forever. Dead last in the ratings, ABC hired two towering public intellectuals to debate each other during the Democratic and Republican National Conventions. William F. Buckley Jr. was the leading light of the new conservative movement and Democrat and cousin of Jackie Onassis, Gore Vidal, was a leftist novelist and polemist. Armed with deep-seated Distrust and enemy, this is, that's an understatement. Vidal and Buckley believed each other's political ideologies were dangerous for America. Like rounds in a heavyweight battle, they pummeled out policy and personal insult and their explosive exchange devolving into a vitriolic name-calling. Live and unscripted, they kept viewers riveted. Ratings for ABC News skyrocketed and a new era in public discourse was born. Amen. It really and truly was, and this is really kind of ground zero for what we know as as cable news and regular news where people just really just go at each other, uh, not often not in a very uh, enlightening way. We are joined today by the co-director and co-producer of this film, Best of Enemies. That would be Morgan Neville. Morgan, welcome to Film School. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for this documentary. You and Robert Gordon have done just a great job of not only showcasing a, a period, uh, a kind of a time capsule in our political discourse, but also uh, the backstory on these two remarkable people. Tell me a little bit about your introduction into this project, you and, and Robert. Sure. I mean, it started five years ago with a bootleg DVD of a handful of these debates. And Robert came across them from a friend of his who was a professor, and Robert was transfixed, and he called me and said, do you want to see some debates between Wayne Buckley and Gorbett And I said, I, I want to see those now. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a kind of a political junkie, and um, you know, I love uh, kind of TV history, and uh, he sent them to me, and I watched them, and I found them uh, just so interesting. I mean, so it must be said that they're both incredibly funny men. Yeah. They're incredibly uh, sharp-tongued. They're brilliant. They have an incredible grasp of history. And um, and it just seemed like I was watching a play happening. And within, you know, 15 minutes, I knew I wanted to make a documentary about it. Um, I just didn't know what exactly that documentary was. Well, uh, even by today's standards, and we have seen political discourse in this country really drag through the mud for an awfully long time, uh, even by today's lowered standards, this is jaw-dropping stuff, the, the, the two of them. In fact, in, in some ways, I would argue that you couldn't get away with what these guys said to one another in the course of their uh, debates, and I use that in quotations, uh, at the Republican and National Conventions in 1968. Would, would, you, would you have an argument? What would you say to that? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I mean, there are a couple of differences. So, first of all, you have to put yourself back in the mindset of what television was in 1968. And television, at that time, it was three networks, 
CBS, NBC, and, you know, ABC would have been the fourth network, but there were only three. <laughs> and they, um, they needed something, uh, a Hail Mary, to try and get ratings, because right. they were they're doing so poorly. But really, at that time, the news landscape, it was Walter Cronkite and David Brinkley, and it was, you know, sober old white men um, with glasses in New York telling you that's the way it is. Um, and it was very civil, it was very sober, and the idea of having real kind of heated debate on television was unheard of. And that, you know, from today's vantage point, is a hard time to remember. Um, but the thing about it, um, vitriol, which was extreme, is that it was deeply personal to them. Um, I mean, in a way, Vidal and Buckley were each other's mortal enemy. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But that for them, they thought the other person was going to be the ruin of the nation yeah. and the republic. And they had to destroy that person on national TV. I mean, those were the stakes. The difference now is you get people shouting at each other, but you get the sense that they're all just playing roles, mm-hmm. you know, that it's all just theater. And then when the light goes off, um, you know, they go out and have a drink. Um, mm-hmm. And they're shilling for a party or a lobby or whatever. But... Uh, what's different here is that the the stakes were so high for these guys uh, that they, in, in a way, it really was a moment that defined each of them for the rest of their lives, too. Yeah. Well, let, again, to your point, you're really going back to set the context here. William F. Buckley had been... Uh, both of these were very well. It's a, it's it really it's just stunning to see how much our our culture has changed in in some ways and not for the better. But um, that William Buckley was r- well known. He had a show called Firing Line on PBS. He was recognized. He was watched. He was listened to. You could his thoughts were um, you know well grounded. He was well reasoned. The same with Gore Vidal. They grew up in a, in an era when. It's kind of to the point you're making, the sort of centrist perspective uh, on the news. It also carried over, in a way, into uh, commentary. It was it was polite, more or less. Uh, yeah, and, go ahead. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is that Vidal and Buckley weren't just, you know, the Republican and the Democrat. Right. That Vidal and Buckley were both outsiders within the left and the right. You know, Buckley had led this insurgency in the Republican Party to kick out the moderate Republicans, the the Rockefeller Republicans, and the uh, what he called the Kooks, the John Birchers, like the, the you know the KKK types of the Republican Party. Yeah, um, and he tried to kind of give it a philosophical underpinning, and uh, you know through candidates like Barry Goldwater and through his magazine National Review, uh, and he was really trying to kind of build a movement, and he did. Yeah, I mean that was the movement that Reagan led into the White House, um, but at that time he was really still kind of an insurgent. He wasn't a mainstream Republican Party figure at all. Mm. And Vidal was never uh, an insider anywhere because he was kind of a professional grenade thrower. Um, You know, they were both unpredictable in their intellect, which made them utterly watchable. (laughs) You know, that's another difference between people we see on TV today. You know, people are always afraid of what they're going to say and who they're going to offend, including the people paying their paychecks. Um, But here you had two fearless men um, with great intellect going at it, and that is just something to behold. 
Yeah, and again, to set this context, this is 1968, and uh, in American history, it's one of the most significant years in the history of the Republic, 1968. Uh, The war in Vietnam was still very much uh, in it going on, and maybe the height, you call it the height of the Vietnam War, uh, social uh, upheaval, if you will, civil rights movements, the assassination of Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King had just taken place uh, and and others it was a it was a very intense year for all of these things to come together and for these two men to be talking about that yeah and what's interesting is um they are in their own elitist patrician way having the exact same feats uh, the exact same fights that are happening out on the streets of America and Chicago yeah so for instance in Chicago when they're doing their last debates um People are riding in Grant Park, and Buckley and Vidal come through the tear gas into the television studio and start arguing both sides of what's happening right out there in the street. Buckley being the law and order uh, pro-police defender, and Vidal being the ultimate radical, um, who really, I think, did kind of want to tear down the walls of the Republic at that time. And so here, with their great, you know, their languid accents and their uh, long words, they're having the exact same fight, um, but it's verbal blood sport. Yeah, and yes, it was was so intense, and absolutely, as you just described it, literally in Chicago, uh, what was later described as a police riot was taking place, uh, just outside the the, uh, the studios where this was going on. And uh, there was a palpable sense in the United States at that time that things might unravel, just completely unravel in terms of political discourse and even even social order. And yeah, and, and yeah. And so so to see these the two of them in a heated exchange was in many ways appropriate to what was going on outside those studios. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is how the rest of America was seeing the riots, too. You know, they weren't in the park. They were watching it at home on TV. And I think that's what's so interesting is this is, you know, America gets it all through this mediated experience. And Fidel and Buckley are there trying to fight that battle with words um, into the, you know, the hearths of America to try and persuade people of their own righteousness. Um, so it's, and ultimately what happens is the night of the, the, the big blow-up in Chicago, which is the third night of the Chicago Convention in 68, um, Vidal and Buckley almost come to blows, yeah. physical, literal blows. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, the fuse has been burning for a long time, but, you know, the heat outside on the street absolutely finds its way into the studio, and they end up in this exchange where uh, Buckley, uh, first Vidal calls Buckley a crypto-Nazi, and then Buckley calls Vidal a queer and threatens to smash him in the goddamn face, I think is the exact <laughs> line. Yeah. And, um, and right there, those are the things they've been wanting to say to each other from the first day, but um, it, it just took all that time for the decorum to finally melt away. Yeah. And... Uh, and I think it very nearly did come to blows. 
I want, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Morgan Neville, Academy Award winner uh, for 20 Feet from Stardom. The film <clears throat> Best of Enemies, he, he co-produced and co-directed <clears throat> excuse me, with Robert Gordon. It opens today <clears throat> excuse me, in Los Angeles at the uh, Landmark 12 in West Los Angeles, as well as in New York, if you're listening to me, the, uh, the IFC Center 5, the Newark Lincoln Plaza in Toronto. We'll even throw that one in here at the... Uh, is at the Bell Lightbox. It's, it's screwing. And then it starts to roll out across the country. You can go to Best of Enemies, is it Best of Enemies Film.com to find out uh, more about the screenings and more about the film. Um, one of the great things about Best of Enemies, Morgan, is it's not only just, uh, 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 we're not just seeing these debates, we're seeing the, the stories and how these two men were, in some ways, inevitably on a track to clash. They did. In, in, in before all of this happened, but they came from, as you said, sort of patrician background, but they came from very different perspectives. And one of the strengths of Best of Enemies is we get a full picture of these men in in the context of their own lives and why they were so important in terms of where they came from and where they were at that time. And it's a, just wonderful to see all the uh, the different things that you were able, to, the elements you were able to bring in to this film. Was that was that something that was difficult to amass? What was the challenges in putting together this story? I mean, something that I didn't fully appreciate. I mean, you kind of, you know, when I first saw the debates, you get a sense that, oh, these guys are very much alike. Um, but when we got into it, so many things emerged. But, you know, one of the major things was they weren't just alike um, or similar. They were, in a way, two versions of the same person. Um you know, they were born the same year. They had the same uh, patrician upbringing. They both went to New England boarding schools. Uh, they both had those mid-Atlantic accents that mm-hmm. were not to be found in nature. <laughs> and and really, um, they they differed over two important things, uh, God and sex. Yeah. Uh, Buckley being a strict Vatican I Catholic and social conservative in that in that mold. And Vidal being, he wouldn't call himself a homosexual. I think he probably would have, if he hated labels, but I think if he had to call himself anything, he'd call himself a pansexual, yeah. pansexualist. Um, you know, that he kind of believed anything goes for anybody, and that's just human nature, and to pretend otherwise is foolish. And so right there, you see what led them on these diverging paths towards uh, the left and the right, and what made the personal so political. And that's something also that's really fascinating, both about these debates, but also about this moment in time, which is the birth of the culture wars. Yeah. Uh, the idea that who you are in terms of your religion, your sexuality, um, your race, were political stances. And of course, you know, that's that's everything now. I mean, that's what we see in our politics today. But that was really a new thing at that time. Yeah, and I, I think that's really important. Part part of the story, part of Best of Enemies, is that this is the future. We're watching kind of the the uh, the the, the uh, creation, the Big Bang, if you will, of our what we know today as political discourse. And you're right, culture wars and and, and such. Um, and and it, you get. You get the rough side of these guys. You get this. You get you get the, the a really nice uh, a panorama of them as people. Um, and I will tell you something from a sort of a personal 
perspective on this, not just as a someone who's hosting a show, but it, I, I, my politics are much more aligned with Gore Vidal's. But I have to say that and I didn't expect this. Buckley, especially in the latter parts of the film, really there's a much there's he comes off much softer in this film than I expected him to come off. Uh, and I really I credit you as filmmaker and you and, and Robert both as be, as getting beyond what the sort of the characters that we know of as these two people. But I was really surprised at how much I I appreciated uh, William Buckley um, in the latter parts of it seemed like he became a more reflective person in a way that Gore Vidal did not seem to become. Yeah, it's uh, I had those same um feelings while making the film. I mean, I'm liberal. I actually used to work for Gore Vidal as a fact checker uh, right out of college. And, um, you know, but Gore was a very tough, um, tough person. And he liked to brag about how tough he was. I and mean, he'd frequently say things like, if you look under my cold, hard exterior, you'll find ice water underneath. Yeah. Um, you know, that he was really um, proud of his frigidity. And Buckley really wasn't quite the he played on TV when the camera was off. Yeah. Many of his friends were liberal. He didn't like to talk about politics when not on camera. He preferred to talk about art or history. Um, and I think he really regretted what happened yeah. in these debates. And it's something that haunted him. And you start to feel bad for him in that way. And, and the other thing about Buckley even though, you know, he did believe in his politics, and his politics were often loathsome <laughs> to, to many, yeah. um, that he was an intellectual. Um, yeah. And he was somebody who had a philosophy that he stood by and that underpinned his beliefs. And that I think Buckley... I mean, what, what happened is Buckley lived long enough to see the kooks that he had expelled from the Republican Party come back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine he would be comfortable with uh, a Sarah Palin or a Ted Cruz. Right. Um, just because I don't think he would have respected them. They, you know, they and, were so, done, yeah. and you end up in this odd situation where you, you're actually pining for the days of having intellectual conservatives like that. Yeah. Um, but it's true. And Buckley became a much more complex man. And he, he renounced, um, I mean, he first came out for the first Iraq war, but he came out rather quietly against the second Iraq war. Um, and he changed his mind publicly about a number of things over the years, like segregation, uh, you know, as rightly he should, but, yeah. you know, it takes some, some guts to, to publicly admit you were wrong. Yeah. And that's something I don't think Gore ever admitted admitted he was wrong, um, ever no, in no. his life. No, there was something. They're both very competitive, but there was something ultra competitive uh, when it all costs that Vidal comes across as in this film, uh, and it's just a terrific documentary. Uh, really, just uh, even if you aren't old enough to remember any of this, it is just such. Uh, it's such a history lesson in in a good way. You get to see two people that you should know about. You should understand where they were coming from and why, uh, and how they have continued by virtue of their intellect and by virtue of sort of their place in our culture, continue to resonate to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do have to 
point out that uh, it is kind of a comedy, <laughs> too. Yeah, so. yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's yeah. a very funny film until <laughs> until it's not. Um, <laughs> it's true. But, but it's been great since we premiered the film at Sundance just to see how many laughs the film gets. Yeah, so, that's, um, true. that's true. I don't think you actually have to know who these guys are to be gripped by the theater of what's happening. Well, on that note, thank uh, again, the film is Best of Enemies. It's opening today We are as we broadcast on July 31st in West Los Angeles at the Landmark in New York as well. Go to bestofenemiesfilm.com to find out where the screenings are, and it will begin to roll out across the country in a big way after that. So, so keep an eye out if you're not in that area of Los Angeles and or New York or Toronto. Uh, Morgan Neville, again, again. Thank you for being on Film School, uh, and all the best uh, to you, and best of enemies as well. (laughs) You too. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Morgan. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.